On this episode, I had the absolute privilege and pleasure to talk with amazing astrologer, mentor, friend of mine, Samuel F. Reynolds. Samuel is a former skeptic who had a life-changing visit to an astrologer and has since spent nearly 30 years doing charts and studying astrology. Now Samuel consults and teaches astrology full-time. He serves as president of the board of directors for the International Academy of Astrology, the IAA, and has written horoscopes for several print and online publications like Ebony, New York Magazine, and Astrology.com. His site is unlockastrology.com. You can connect with him on Instagram at sfreynolds and on Twitter at unlockastrology. We talk about the astrology of 2023. It's a wild year. We talk about Mars. We talk about Venus. We talk about the dance. We discuss the eclipses. We talk about the Jupiter Chiron conjunction. We talk about money and finances and the economy and all of the things. So stay tuned for a really engaging, amazing conversation. Connect with Samuel and let us know what you think in the comments. Enjoy. Hey there, welcome back. I'm Taylor Schuler, your astrologer. This is On Thriving with Astrology and More, and I am here today with wonderful master astrologer Samuel Reynolds. I am just so pleased to have you here. So thank you and welcome. I'm I'm pleased to be here. Thank you, Taylor, for having me. And you know what? I just noticed it's Jupiter's Day, and I think we both have blue on, right? Yeah, yeah there we go. Yeah. <laughs> I actually changed my shirt. I was going to be wearing black, but then I got something on it, and I was like, oh, let me put this blue on. So there we go. We're in tune. Yeah, and so, yeah, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about the astrology of 2023. We're going to talk about how to use it um, on both a personal and collective level to help us to thrive and see if there's some, something we can do to make the world a better place with it and talk a little bit about Mars and Venus and some of the energy that we've got going on with the eclipses this year. So before we started recording, we were talking a little bit about what's going on politically in the United States and that kind of uh, brought us to this, this place where we're at. So I'll just start by saying what's on your mind <laughs> right now? Um, what's going on in the world and, and what are your thoughts about everything I just said? Okay. Wow. <laughs> I know. Everything you just said, I don't know if I can go for everything you just said, but what's yeah. on my mind right now, yeah. as we opened up and we were just talking before, you know, doing the show, um, I was listening to or watching the House proceedings and trying to elect the speaker. So that's been really fascinating to me. Alternately, you know, kind of delightful in terms of a funny way, just kind of, you know, seeing the dominant party struggle. Um, not because like, you know, I hate them or something like that as much as like that. This is so bizarre um, that I guess I only can laugh. So that's one thing on my mind. Um a lot of thoughts still related to the, to uh, Ukraine and thinking about the folks there and then what's happening. There's a ceasefire that's underway in terms of, you know, for, from from Putin um, in acknowledging Orthodox uh, Christmas, Russian Orthodox Christmas. So that's on my mind. And I've been thinking a lot, yeah, about the astrology of 2023, you know, particularly Pluto's shift into Aquarius. Um also, Saturn's turn into Pisces and leaving Aquarius. So I've been thinking a lot about him leaving Aquarius and his entry entry, in, entry into Pisces. And I think that's significant for me as a Pisces rising, but I'm also thinking about that in terms of the, the collective. 
and then Jupiter's, you know, tour through Aries and then going into Taurus. Yeah. And we have a nodal shift, you know, also in terms of things moving from um, one Mars Venus sign into another Mars Venus sign, you know, in terms of Aries and Libra. So that's kind of some of the things I've been thinking about. So why don't we just take maybe like a minute or two to talk about each of those planetary shifts before we focus on the eclipses and the Mars and the Venus? How does that sound? Okay, let's go. So Pluto into Aquarius, it's a big deal. Yes. We've never seen it in our lifetime. No one has, no. <laughs> no, that we know of, the people that we don't, we don't think Vampires, yeah, right. You know, maybe the vampires have. But yeah, no, I really do think that like if there was ever a time, though, for us to find out that there were like something out there that was older than we thought, it's it's Pluto and Aquarius. Right. That's, true. <laughs> That's probably true. Right. So what are your what are your thoughts? What do you think it's going to bring? And how do you think that we can use it to our highest and greatest good? Well, I think if we're going to talk about it in relation to at least our country, mm-hmm. it's it's one thing to have talked about the Pluto Capricorn return in the moment of the American revolution is another thing to talk about it in terms of the bill of rights, which is what happened during Pluto and Aquarius. And really this country was formed in terms of, you know, putting all the elements together, how we are going to function as a people during Pluto's and Pluto's turn in Aquarius. And so what I have come to think about is how we are going to govern ourselves on progressive levels of how we're interacting from local levels, municipal levels, to state levels, Mm. to national levels. So I think it's gonna be more about how we, I think, look out for each other, how we're attentive to each other, how we're attentive to what's happening around us. Now, I I don't wanna make it sound too romantic, like, oh, we're gonna love each other. I don't know if it's always gonna be love, right? It might be like, yeah, snooping on each other. It might be some measure of the development that we see um, in China where people are kind of evaluating your social credit, meaning like, you know, you're, how are you doing socially in terms of how people like you or can trust you? We may be dealing with some dimensions of that. So I think that may be some way in which I think that's longer than a minute, but forgive me. That's okay. <laughs> but I think that it's interesting that, to think about because when it comes to astrology, some people aren't interested in it because they think, oh, well, I hear this negative stuff. And some of what you said, to be fair, is negative, right? But I think what we're saying is that it's an invitation to say, if you recognize this, if you feel there's snooping, if you feel there's whatever that you conceive as negative, that's the invitation to lean towards the more positive or the more constructive way to move forward, right? So there could be an invitation with snooping because what does that say? It says, um, I want more information. I want more transparency. I want more agency. I want to know what's going on, right? Or I want more control, which I think is a fixed sign thing. And and how do we practice non-attachment in Aquarian maybe um, sort of thing, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that's why I started with pay attention and how we're attending to each other Mm. rather than veering toward what could be the negative manifestation. We could emphasize more the positive manifestation where we're looking out for each other. Um, 
And I think we're getting reminders of that as Saturn is leaving Aquarius, because that really is the notion of the, you know, this was also the Saturn return of the World Wide Web. Mm -hmm. um, and so the, the World Wide Web kind of surfaces while Saturn's in Aquarius, you know, some 30 years ago. And I think that the, the web has demonstrated how we can, you know, experience more of a connection with each other. And I think Pluto will reiterate a lot of those lessons. And so I think we can emphasize the positive in terms of our day-to-day -day interactions ignoring our neighbors. You know, it's it's interesting. We've kind of, because of the World Wide Web, forged, forged relationships with people around the world, but not know who's right next to us or in the next door to us. Mm -hmm. And I think it becomes important to kind of not one or the other, but to, to think about both. Yes, that is so true. It's like we have this desire for more connection, which I think comes from Aquarius. And then this thing with Pisces, it, it continues that because it's the next sign. But you get at the same time that you get this collective compassion sort of a thing, like there's only one of us here, like it's all love. There's also sometimes a sense of melancholy or isolation with Absolutely. with Pisces and the same with Aquarius. It's sort of like, you know, the person who's got lots of friends, but needs to like go home and be by themselves at the same time. So, so both signs kind of have that just in different ways. One is more of information exchanging the internet, being on zoom, meeting more people, having a bigger network Aquarius. And then Pisces is more of this. I'm in my emotions about my connections and for you to actually cross boundaries, like the boundary of my home, <laughs> right? To see you in person, it needs to feel better. It needs to feel okay. It needs to feel safe. Otherwise, perhaps we'll, that's sort of like where you isolate. And that's interesting that you would look at it that way. Not that I disagree. Um, I think that highlights some things which prompts me to ask you a question. And then I will answer, of course, myself. So we're, I think both old enough to remember Saturn and Pisces, yes. right? Well, I, yeah. <laughs> I know you're a little younger because I'm a little older. Yes. I get it. And I, was, I, was, I was a child, but yes, okay. I was alive. All right. Were you a child? I was a child. I was, it was what, 93 to 95. So I was yeah. Yeah. five to seven. Damn. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. I did that Kevin Hart moment like, damn. <laughs> um, anyway, so- yeah, you probably don't remember much about it. I was going to ask you, but do you remember much about what was happening in your life you care to share? Um, um, my life was good at that time. Um, I mean, I remember like right, probably right before it happened, I had like some weird like neck spasm as a kid, but like my life was good from five to seven. Like when, when Saturn went to Aries, I feel like started to not be so nice, but like the world was great. I grew up in New York City. Um, it was like the nineties in the heart of New York city. I was like on the lower East side. Like I look oh, back great. at that time, like that was great. Like my parents would take me to Soho. You could get pizza for 75 cents, like with all the toppings for a buck 50. Like that was like, you know, yellow cabs, New York. It was great. It was good times. I don't know for me. Yeah. I don't know okay. about you. So, well, I mean, well, I was a little older, right? Yeah. That was, I actually been reading my poetry and some of my writing from that time and reflecting. I mean, some, you know, an important event did happen. My mom passed away mm. just as, you know, Saturn was getting, you know, 
get settled in in Pisces. But what I remember about my personal encounter with the the era um, was it it led to when you said about isolation. It also could be a time if we want to connect it to the idea of the twelfth house um, as a time related to insulation, where I was kind of insulated. There's a difference between insulation and isolation. I, insulation is where you kind of create space, maybe even announce it and share with others that you're going, you know, within um, and exploring more the worlds within in order to kind of not only better understand yourself, but even to tap into different mm. attunements, yeah. ways of understanding. Isolation is more so where you feel separated and it isn't with this level of intentionality in the same way or dedication. It's almost like you've been sacrificed rather than dedicated. Right. Yeah. So can you say that again about insulation? What is insulation? So, insulation is more when you have a sense of intention toward or even dedication toward a particular purpose, whether it's to kind of go more within. Like if you said to me, you know, I'm going to go into the studio and I'm going to yeah. record something. That's when you insulate yourself as versus when you isolate yourself. It's kind of like, yo, I'm like in quarantine. They're you know, not Yes. I, and I can actually see that because I think my childhood was colored in that way for sure. You know, yeah. being an only child, there was a lot of times when my parents were like, just go in your room and play Barbie dolls. And as a child, you don't know the difference between isolation and insulation. Like the parent may have an intention of, you know, I want you to feel insulated. I, you know, I'm here in the other room, you go do that. I'm, I'm asking you to have time to be self-reflective and to like, you know, right. develop yourself by yourself. But to a child who doesn't have that sophisticated understanding, they're like, I just want to be like, oh, I want to be with my friends. I want to be with you. I want to be with people. And then there is a sense of isolation. So it seems like it's intention and understanding that really can be the difference between the two. Yeah, because when Saturn goes into signs of Jupiter, it becomes a general discussion. And then also it can be a personal discussion on boundaries. You know, like when yeah. Saturn was in Sagittarius, we talked a lot about immigration reform. I mean, around the world, not just in terms of our country, but also in terms of, you know, these people, where are they coming from? Where are they going to go? Where are we going to put them? Yeah. I think we have some similar issues, especially with the Ukraine war um, in the larger sense. But I think that reflexivity or reflectivity that we can talk about with Pisces, which is Jupiter's night sign, nocturnal position or place, is where we can talk about being more reflective, um, understanding our own relationship to boundaries with other people, you know, what becomes important for us, you know, those internal realms, you know, like you were saying with your parents kind of saying like, well, go to your room and play with your Barbie dolls. You know, again, that could be a, a, a chance for reflexivity, reflectivity, uh, reflection, um, imagination, mm -hmm. you know, all these particular things. I think that's a lot of what the invitation of the pandemic and the year ahead are really is that we have been isolated and it was that sort of, like I said, the go to your room and play with your Barbie dolls or like go be isolated in this pandemic. And there was so much resistance, you know, when this started, I was just thinking back to like spring of 2020 and there was so much that went on. Not only was it the pandemic, but George Floyd was murdered and Black Lives Matter uh, movement was re-emerging at that point in time. Breonna Taylor was murdered and there was so much anger. We had no idea how to talk to each other. Like if you were in a Zoom chat, there was so much vitriol 
that we were fighting each other, hating each other. We were just, I mean, that's what my experience, what I witnessed, right? I think a lot of us did too. And eventually we got burned out from doing that and realized like, why do I have all of this anger? Why do I have all of these emotions? And over the past two years, I think it really has um, evolved. We have all evolved. You know, there's been a lot of talk about people who are uh, trolls on Facebook and, you know, just mean for no reason. And, you know, if you want to keep doing that, you can keep doing that. But the isolation that we've had has been this invitation to like, really look at our shadow, look at our emotions, look at what we're doing, how we're living our life. And then can we get comfortable with with the silence or with the isolation to move more towards insulation incubation too, right? right. Incubation as a, like a 12th house sort of signification as well. Um, because I think we all do need to incubate ourselves, uh, our souls, our hearts, our minds to prepare for this next phase that we're moving into. I feel like where we are in the first quarter of 2023 now is a lot about the beginning of the end and also the very beginning of the beginning. Hmm. Yeah. And especially for us as a country, I mean, we're going to be coming out of that, this Pluto return, um, going into, like I, I said, another kind of return about how we form our country and think about ourselves, which is another kind of critical issue. Yeah. And what you, about, you, and I'm sorry, go on. Oh, no, you go ahead. Because I, um, I think the other thing we were going to talk about for a minute was the Mars-Venus yeah. Yeah. But before we get there, I wanted to ask okay. you, cause you mentioned, um, you know, you're Pisces rising, I'm a Pisces rising and you're thinking about it because Saturn's going to move into Pisces. So what, what's the thought there for any other Pisces risings out there? Yeah. Or even those who are mutable, right? Because then it's going to affect your angles in some particular way. And just to be clear, you know, in terms of the mutability, it's Pisces, Virgo, Sagittarius, and Gemini. Um, well, you know, since we're focusing on thriving, and I generally do that and believe that as well, you know, what kind of helps build advantage and growth in your life? Um, I have initially been thinking about it in a negative sense because of the trauma that happened with my mom, right? You know, in terms of her passing. Um, but, you know, as I was reviewing my writings and looking at my life, because it was a tumultuous time, I was 27. 20, oh, yeah. well, okay. So your Saturn return. <laughs> yeah. So it was just at that. And also the Uranus, not Uranus, um, the um, nodal opposition I was contending mm -hmm. with. And lunar um, return. Progressed, progressed lunar return, right? Yeah. So all these things were converging at that, a tough that age. time. It's a really tough and age. So what I, I've been thinking like, okay, what might this mean? And I think, again, it can be this time where, you know, Saturn, I call the planet to sit your ass down. You may have heard me say that. It's kind of where you have to sit with yourself. You have to sit with, you know, maybe sit out with something or um, it's where you can experience the the heaviness. But the heaviness doesn't have to become a bad thing. It could be where you have more responsibility, more sense of authorship and authority mm -hmm. um, related to what's happening in your life. So I've been thinking about that. You know, how am I going to deal with better senses of authority? Am I going to write? Um, or is it going to be, because one thing I, this is kind of personal, but it, it relates to that. I also made that transition into drama. And when I say drama, I don't mean like, you know, drama. I mean, like literally into theater and yeah, writing yeah. 
and, and things. And I think that might be the comeback. Not that I'm going to leave astrology, but maybe add some dramatic elements related to the work I do. That makes so much sense. Yeah, because, you know, we we think, you know, people get scared of Saturn. You know, you think, oh, Saturn. I remember when, you know, my best friend, you know, when Saturn's going toward his ascendant, it's like, Saturn going to kill me, right? And I was like, probably not, right? Um, because There's also, a lot of other things that could, but no. Right. Probably not to be Saturn. He's going to be like, yeah. you know, knock you out. I think Saturn is going to, you know, Saturn wants us to always get to the truth, you know, get beyond the hyperbole of Jupiter where we kind of magnified things, expanded things and be like, yeah, but do you need all this? You know? Right. Do you need it? What can you let go of? Because when you're when things are too heavy, and especially when Saturn and Jupiter are interacting, whether it's Saturn moving into a Jupiter ruled sign, or we're having the Saturn, the first, the opening semi-square to the Saturn-Jupiter conjunction that happened at zero degrees Aquarius on December 21st, 2020. And there's going to be Jupiter sextiling Saturn. So we're having multiple Saturn-Jupiter things happen this year. Right. Um, and and you're right to point out just like the mutable cross because for so many reasons, like, yes, it's going to hit all the angles. Um, but before I get there, just the Saturn Jupiter thing is like, what can I let go of in order for something else to expand? And I feel like that is part of the definition of maturity. And that's what Saturn ultimately asks for is to take responsibility for our lives, to take responsibility for, I can't hold all of the things Jupiter because it is Saturn too heavy. And so I need to let go and really focus on and put some work into what will bring us, um, you know, the ultimate expansion and allow us to become good at something, right? Saturn can be like where we're, we end up being subject matter experts. But the mutable grand cross, I think is interesting. I think this is where my, before we started uh, recording, I was talking about Mercury and Jupiter. Whichever chart of the United States you look at, it has a mutable rising. So I think there's a Virgo rising, a Gemini rising and a Sag rising chart. They're all mutable. And so Saturn is gonna hit an angle of any of those US charts that you look at. And this Kevin McCarthy thing that we started saying where he's having trouble getting the votes and you know there's a majority and a small minority, Mercury is like these small details and Jupiter is the big, the big thing and Saturn is going to be answering to Jupiter. And Saturn's going to be moving into an angle of the U.S. chart on top of the Pluto return, on top of everything else that's going on. And so I think it is important to look at that mutable cross that is really important for the United States and think about like, how does the big become small? How Like the micro and macro of everything, essentially, and majority and minority, because we are like, a, a we're supposed to be a democracy, but um yeah, majority rule is supposed yeah, to be important. And going back to Pluto for a second, which is still, I mean, going to be in a Saturn sign, right? So Pluto is going to be answering to, looking to, for guidance from Saturn. You know, however your viewers, listeners are, however they identify as left or right. One thing I think that's interesting um, in this particular moment, not just in terms of Kevin McCarthy, but a movement that has come right now more from the right is kind of this questioning um, related to what's happening in schools, what's happening in terms of, you know, people's homes and lives. However, again, however people feel about it, but I think it's an interesting moment and reflective of what is kind of to come for either left or right. But will how are we dealing with, you know, our children, 
being raised. And what I mean by this, and I've been talking about this for years, but I think it's starting to really start to take hold. Um, so many municipalities have gotten rid of school boards. Um, and what they have instead are departments. School boards may make a comeback because the great thing about school boards is that you elected people who came from your community mm. who could advocate related to your values and beliefs. And what happens when you have that level of detachment and it's just a department, for instance, with a school, you don't have that level of inclusivity. You don't have that level of voice. What I think is going to happen, especially maybe even around the world, but particularly in the United States, is more and more people wanting to have some measure articulation, Mercury and Jupiter, about how they feel about things and going beyond social media, having yeah. impact um, in the institutions that deal with everyday elements of their life. And I think that's going to be challenging because, you know, they're going to be people who are like, oh, I don't like what you're talking about for my child or for, you know, related to this institution. You're going to have others saying, like, I don't like what you're talking about. And we're going to have to find some way in which we have points of agreement so it doesn't become deadlocks. Yeah. And um, it's interesting to think about because a, a board, I think what we're going to have to do is grapple with that, right? So you have a board, then you don't have a board. And Aquarius and Pisces are both kind of communal signs where we look at the community. And I see an increasing call towards things like co um, uh, worker ownership, worker cooperatives, and things like that, worker owners, <clears throat> excuse me. And that is, um, that could be another model, right? Like a true democracy is where everybody has a vote and everybody's voice has equal weight. And so if everyone were, every parent were able to vote on something instead of a representative democracy that a school board is like, or the United States government is like, I wonder if that's what we'll see as, you know, new yeah, emerging models of that. that. Yeah. And you just kind of like, uh, like a lightning rod made me think about something else. So we've seen a few unprecedented things in like the most recent times. So this week, so we saw one thing in terms of this whole thing with the Speaker of the House starting on Tuesday. The other thing on Monday um, is what happened to Damar Hamlin um, in Buffalo. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and you know, I hope he pulls through and that is my hometown, um, even though the Bills are not my home team. But I'm still rooting for my, my hometown because it's gone through a lot. Now, why I'm bringing this up, we saw something really unprecedented, which is that the players said, I'm not going back out there, right? And then the coaches kind of went along. NFL was kind of like, no, nah, you know, the, the game must go on. They're like, yeah, no, I'm not going out. And I think that really is significant related to what we're talking about, where we're, we're seeing more people on the ground, literally in that case, wanting to have their voice in, in terms of the choices that affect them, right? Those players I don't I I don't think and no you know I've talked to other football heads or read other football heads. I don't think there's ever been a precedent like that where the players kind of like, yeah, no, I'm not going out there. Or yeah. when the NFL period decided not only to not resume the game immediately, not resume the game that day, but not resume the game the whole week. I mean, I don't think we know when the game is gonna happen at this point. Right. The last I heard was like it's not gonna be any time this week. But yes, that that sudden, like, you know, one in a million billion things that could have happened. And it, I was talking to a friend yesterday and he, he reminded me of Steve Irwin, 
so I have to look at Steve Irwin's chart and see if there's something there. But you know that it was sort of the same thing with Steve Irwin's death, where it was like stingray. he was holding mm -hmm. on to a stingray, and I don't remember this at all. And so I had to like look it up. But like the stingray stung him, put the the barbs in like the one spot in his body that could have killed him, and then like instantly. And he looked at his cameraman and said like, "You know, I'm dying." And thank God, Demar Hamlin is still you know alive, alive, um, in critical condition. And so we hope that he'll pull through. Um, but yeah, those one in a million kind of things are are kind of kind of crazy so yeah so i mean i think it 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 going back to our, our our overarching thought especially with mercury and jupiter and then we can get to mars and venus i mean with mercury and jupiter it is going to be how do we not get lost in minutia how do we also think about the bigger picture how do we also start to you know figure out and frame more of this sense of you know, articulating having other voices heard. Because one of the arguments against um, full-on democracy rather than a representative democracy, a republic as we have, is that, well, how can everyone be heard, right? Well, we're now at a point where we can, you know, have voices heard almost instantly, you know, through, you know, whether it's through social media, which we probably don't want that to happen, but through more secure private channels, of you know people kind of contributing and voting, yeah. So that's been an interesting moment to to think about. That yeah. we might. So to trans transition into this Mars Venus conversation, I think that this is a good point because we're talking about like uh, the collective versus one voice versus representatives, and this year we're going to see the nodes move into Aries and Libra. Aries is ruled by Mars, Libra is ruled by Venus, and they're currently in the signs of Taurus and Scorpio, which are also ruled by Mars and Venus. And this March, what we're going to see is on March 3rd, Venus will meet up with Chiron, the wounded healer, who is also very charismatic. On March 11th, Jupiter, uh, so once every about 13 years, Jupiter will meet up with Chiron, but it's the first time that we're actually seeing Jupiter meet up with Chiron in Aries when we're consciously aware of it. And Chiron in the United States chart was at 20 degrees of Aries. And this year, Chiron will get to 19 degrees, 57 minutes of Aries. So very, very close to that exact Chiron return. And before that happens, Jupiter comes and says, let's pay attention. I'm expanding the energy here so that we put a spotlight on it. And three hours before that Jupiter-Chiron conjunction, Venus meets up with the asteroid that is the shit starter, Eris at 24 degrees varies. So in March, not only do we have Saturn moving into Pisces on the third, the same day that Venus and Eris meet up, we have Chiron and Jupiter on March 11th. And then on March 23rd, we have Pluto moving into Aquarius. So it's a pretty big month. And it's just, um, and it's also right before uh, eclipse season starts. So this is like in the lead up to eclipse season, which is already a time when we start to feel kind of intense. Then after all this happens, we start getting lunations which are emotions coming in and saying how do i feel about all this stuff because i just got shaken i just had some some stuff happen things are different and they're changing and we get a new moon uh in in aries then we get a full moon um in we, libra. Get a, we get a full moon in libra and then we get a um a new moon uh eclipse at 29 degrees 50 minutes of aries on april 19th or 20th i think depending on your time zone mm -hmm. and then may 5th we get that lunar eclipse 
<clears throat> and why I think this is a good transition between the Mercury-Jupiter conversation and the Mars-Venus eclipse conversation is because um, one, we're talking about Jupiter and two, because when I've looked into this, like historically, um, and just thinking about the archetypal energies, some of what comes up is this conversation about a charismatic leader. And it's echoed a couple times. One is by Chiron. So David Cochran did some work on how Chiron really uh, denotes charisma in a chart. So if you have a son, Chiron, it's about charisma. Because if you think about it, Chiron was this teacher who uh, taught like heroes. He taught Achilles, he taught Jason, he taught like all Asclepius. You gotta have a little bit of charisma to get these guys' attention. Like they're not just gonna go listen to Joe Schmo. They need someone who can keep their attention and actually have like some skill or some expertise, some weight behind them. So, so Chiron denotes charisma. It's in the sign of Aries, which is like the sign of the individual, could you could say it's a sign of a leader? Um, you know, I I personally think Aries are leaders. <laughs> I love Aries, um, and and then it's it's echoed because we're going to have Venus retrograde this summer in the sign of Leo, another fire sign, a heart centered sign, and when it makes its conjunction with the Sun, it's going to trine the degree that the Jupiter Chiron conjunction happens at. And it is the first Venus retrograde that is happening fully in the sign of Leo since 1862, June of 1862, which was when Custer, General Custer's last stand happened. And if you look into that story, it is the story of a charismatic leader, but posthumously. So um, his wife ended up like spreading this wild story. And then all of these people popped up and said, I'm the final survivor of Custer's last stand. And so we do get this energy, I think, of, and we're already seeing it with Elon Musk, with Jeff Bezos, with, you know, whoever, with um, one of my favorite examples is Lizzo, when she was awarded recently an award for bravery or courage, and she didn't want to take it. And instead she brought like 20 individuals who are part of social justice movements and organizations, like nonprofit organizations, she brought them on stage with her. So how do we identify charismatic leaders and are they actually supporting groups of people, which is an Aries Libra thing? Hmm. So am, am I the individual Aries? And how am I using my uniqueness, my individuality to Libra be in relationship with others? Is that a question for me? Because I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I'm curious for your thoughts on that. <laughs> I know I just said a lot. Lots absorbed because it's, it, there's still, I'm still processing. Yeah. Um, and I guess in terms of looking at the question of charisma, I guess I'm wondering, like, should we be looking out for a charismatic leader? Is this going to be like the the arrival yeah. of the Antichrist? Well, I... <laughs> I I'm think joking, we, that was a joke. And I mean, you know, I no, mean, I like, know, but I think we already have these charismatic leaders out there and we may see more. But I mean, I mean but we, but, but to be fair, okay, to give you a little pushback on it, I mean, don't <laughs> we always have charismatic leaders? Haven't we always had charismatic leaders? That in is our fair. History, that right? is fair. But what, so one story I didn't tell was the other thing from the Venus retrograde in Leo that happened in 1862 was the founding of the mission at San Luis 
Obispo de Tolosa or Toyosa. I'm not sure if I'm saying it right. So missionaries from the uh, Spanish missionaries, they wanted to find a port for the King of Spain uh, on the Pacific coast. They went to California, they found bears, they found this lush resources like water and trees, and it was beautiful. They also found the resources of humans, the indigenous people who live there. And they said, perfect, we've got everything we need to build a mission. <laughs> and we found the people to do it for us. So there was this priest who was in charge and he said, you know, we're going to go. Um, we built this thing. They baptized all the people who they basically enslaved. Um, and when he left, they burned it down. And I say this story because I think it's a little bit more than just like your regular we always have charismatic leaders. I think it's Wait, who burned it down? The the, the 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 indigenous people who built it. Okay. Okay. Go on. Sorry. So what I, what I'm seeing is this energy of it actually coming to a head of when there is a leader who's either supporting people for something positive or a leader who's making other people fight their battles for them. And it ties into archetypally, at least how I see representative democracy and uh, worker owned cooperatives versus our current corporate model of having a CEO and exorbitant executive pay wealth that exceeds reasonable in my mind standards versus what a median employee is going to be paid. You know, just like this real disparity between a leader who's in charge whether it's the priest at the mission or an executive CEO who's paid ridiculous amounts and the people that he baptized who built the, the, uh, the mission or the employees at a company today and people saying enough is enough and I'm not okay with this anymore or having a Lizzo who says, I'm going to use my agency. I'm going to use my voice, my power, my talents, my gifts, my attention to get a group of people who are actually making the world a better place. And they happen to be individuals who are in charge of their own little organizations, which is interesting to think about, but to say, we're gonna use our collective power in, in, in new and innovative ways to think about new models of being together and honoring our individuality and our individual sovereignty. Mm -hmm. I, I think, there's a, enough that's happening astrologically that supports this line of thinking. I mean, between Pluto and Aquarius, yep. kind of echoing, you know, Saturn and Jupiter being in Aquarius and starting like an age of air. I'm not going to say the age of Aquarius because I think that's much more technical. Yeah. Um, I think there's also in terms of the realignment that we see with the nodes, especially with the eclipse from April 19th, April 20th, as things are going 29 degrees of Aries. So I, I can get on board with that. I think though, um, it's, it's kind of a moment that I wonder, cause I haven't done this research with it, um, that relates to, you know, the shifts that we may have experienced in the 60s or before with the idea and rise of a cooperative, whether we're talking about housing cooperatives, you mentioned work cooperatives, but also food cooperatives yep. um, became more of a big thing. So the idea where we have some aspects of 
people stepping forward in terms of leadership. Now, in terms of the bigger picture with that, I still think it's a slow process because we as primates, right, largely still kind of go along with a, a leader and many people, you know, one of the dark aspects of astrology, and I say this to my students pretty frequently as they, you know, spend more time with me, one of the dark aspects of astrology is that most people don't want responsibility for their lives, right? How much responsibility do people want to have for their own lives? Um, you know, they want to put it on Saturn. Do they say it's fucking Mercury retrograde? Who's doing this to me? Rather than thinking about, no, you left the house late, right? It's not Mercury that did this to you. It's not Saturn that prompted this. So I think it will still bring up these fundamental questions about how we we kind of give focus to leaders and to ourselves. You know, one of the things I haven't said, and I don't know if this is being objective enough because I do want to be that related to what's going on in our country, but one of the reasons why this has happened with the Republican Party in Congress is because there was a segment of the party that wanted to be moderate and at the same time, you know, kind of went behind a very charismatic leader who really kind of was more about things related to himself. And then there was like the segment of people who were really just kind of along the lines of this particular person, you know, Trump will just say that, and now are kind of rigidified in a certain way. And again, related to this idea of a charismatic leader. Now, what's interesting is that the, the Democrats didn't have that problem because they weren't necessarily rallied around a particular leader. I mean, like Biden, we can't say Biden has had the same charismatic power and glue as Trump has had in some measure of his party. I mean, that's, I think we could be objective enough to say that. I mean, I don't, I, you know, I'm not doing anything empirical, but that's what it is. So I think, like I said, there's support for what you're saying. Now, what I've heard you say otherwise, not otherwise, but in other places, is that you've mentioned the Jupiter. Chiron conjunction in relation to black people. Um, is that yes, right? Yeah. Okay. Yes. So what the civil rights movement. Civil rights movement specific. Yeah. yeah. And so were you thinking at that time? Because maybe I didn't understand that point before. This is not just what you just said. Yeah. You know, in terms of the charismatic leaders that we had then, in terms of Dr. King and Malcolm X, or were you thinking in a different way? You know, um, that that is yeah. I think. Yes, that okay. it, it is about King. It is about Malcolm X. One of the examples that I pointed out was, um, oh goodness, I'm my memory is terrible. But at the Olympics, when the three uh, there were yeah. the the winner and they stood, and it, because it can be a quiet charisma too. That's really sure. what David Cochran says is that it's quiet charisma, and that example really it's a great example of quiet charisma because all they did was put the, not all they did, but they put their fists in their air. They didn't say anything. They were quiet and it made a huge statement. Absolutely. Um, and it's interesting to think about the Pluto generation, something about what you said about the, the you mean communal, Pluto, Virgo, Pluto and Leo, which generation? All of them, but Leo okay. and Virgo, Leo, Virgo, Scorpio and Aquarius are the ones that I'm thinking about right now. Uh, Libra will come into it a little bit. And part of that is because when this Venus retrograde is going to happen, and just like, even if it wasn't Venus retrograde, but 
Pluto's going to square the nodes on July 22nd, 25th, and 28th this year. In Capricorn, it'll square the nodes in Aries and Libra because the, the nodes will shift on July 17th. And you were saying, you know, the 60s were kind of a time of this community and this communal energy and whatnot. Um, and Pluto was was in Virgo in the 60s, but the people who were active were the Pluto and Leos, like bringing that communal energy is the Pluto and Leo generation while Pluto was in Virgo. Pluto will square the nodes making, you know, a trine, at least by sign when it's in Capricorn to that generation. And then it'll shift into Aquarius where it will square, it will oppose uh, Pluto in Leo and it will square Pluto in Scorpio. And was it Dane Rijar or Michael Muncasey who said the world points are at 15 degrees of the fixed signs. And so mm -hmm. we won't see Pluto at 15 degrees of uh, Aquarius for quite some, for like at least 10 years. But the point that those signs are are like this world axis to a certain extent, and there are world points at different, you know, in the cardinal and the mutable signs as well. But I really, and maybe it's just because I'm a Pluto and Scorpio, <laughs> but I really do think that that this Pluto shift is going to activate what you said, not just the Chiron thing, but also, um, you know, it's going to be a reckoning. And I think that in the same way that the Pluto and Leos became active when Pluto was in Virgo and making that communal energy, I do think that the Pluto in Aquarius transit is going to activate Pluto and Scorpio in a similar way. All right. So I, I want to take the conversation slightly in a different direction. Okay. It's something which you're saying that kind of brings back to, I think, the mission you gave me, which is yes. to talk about the thriving, because we're we are talking about the collective. And I think those things are important. But I'm going to go back to something so because i'm fascinated by this conversation related to charisma not just charismatic figures and that but first question i want to ask you is if you care to share um where is your chiron in your chart both by sign and house so my chiron is at 24 degrees of gemini it is retrograde it is pretty close to my ic whole sign that's the fourth house and in most other systems it's in the third house okay but it's still and it sounds like if i remember yeah your your ascendant it's square to your ascendant it is square my ascendant it right. is opposite saturn and uranus and opposite right. my midheaven conjunct my ic because i would acknowledge you as a person who has charisma right? oh thank you <laughs> yeah but i think you know that i mean like it, it i mean i think i have charisma with the pluto yeah. in pisces in the first house Yes. Um, yeah. Square. I mean, conjoined to your ascendant, I think, and then square to your 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 Chiron. Wow. Now, where I'm going with this is not yeah. self-congratulatory <laughs> or for you or for me. It's 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 to ask a question, especially since we're talking about this. Well, one, what is charisma and how do you think people might cultivate that for themselves or if you think they can? That is an interesting question. So why don't I Google what charisma is? The, the dictionary definition says, compelling attractiveness or charm that can inspire devotion in others or a divinely conferred power or talent. All right, we won't, we won't go so much with divinely conferred talent, um, if only because like we, we have to leave that to the divine. Although if, it's interesting, I, I do just want to say that that Chiron is an important point, not just because it's angular in my chart, but it does form a finger of God uh, twice. Part of God. Okay. Yeah. So 
So yeah. the divine, the, the divine does come up. Right. <laughs> so, you know, a yacht is like where it's configured between two planets that have a sextile and have an inconjunct 150 degree relationship um, to one single planet, which I guess is at the tip of your finger. I mean, Chiron's at the Chiron's tip, the tip of the, of my sun and moon. Yeah. Okay. All right. So how, how can people, if, do you think people can cultivate charisma? You know, especially as we're talking about the astrology of 2023, you know, charisma can be useful as aspects of leadership, as aspect of, you know, stepping up. You know, we talked about Chiron being the teacher of heroes. How do we encourage people to become and be heroes? Mm. So this is so interesting. Before we even logged on, I was thinking about some of my transits right now. And I think that people can cultivate it. And I think that there are certain transits, not just a natal excitation of, of Chiron, because I think a natal excitation of Chiron is probably more painful and not like an opportunity to develop charisma necessarily. But if you're having a transit that activates something in your chart and Pluto by transit has just gone over my son it's on my part of fortune as we speak and it is making it is it's in that that finger of god to chiron right now and so i wonder because i you know the past couple of years for me have been a lot and so i do think that you can cultivate it but it's more of this saturn jupiter thing as well of like what are you letting go of in order to make room to expand and Chiron goes between its orbit goes between mostly Jupiter and Saturn, but Saturn and Uranus primarily. And mm -hmm. so, so you do have to think about those outer planets and, um, and Chiron, you know, in addition to charisma, I think charisma, one of the utilities of charisma is a Venusian quality of bringing togetherness. I completely agree. It Nicole. is. It, it's this, it's like, you know, Venus, it, we say that it's, you know, um, like the wetness of Venus allows people to come together like glue. And so what Chiron does as a messenger, it brings the outer planets together and the outer planets are what separate generations. So the opportunity for charisma is the glue that allows for intergenerational healing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think, um, it's, this is right on time because I want to share with you. You mentioned Jeff Bezos um, earlier, and I was reading an article in Inc. Um, magazine that was talking about one of his core beliefs, um, and it stuck with me. And he was, you know, in the article they explained it. He said one of his most speaking of Jeff Bezos, one of it, yet one of his most fundamental beliefs is that you should be proud only of your choices, not your gifts. And that, that has stayed with me um, because going back with this, this dimension of charisma, you know, whether it's divinely conferred or not, like a lot of people rely on their gifts and think like, oh, you know, that's what creates my charisma. Not realizing it's what you have chosen to do with these gifts, um, which also I think lends itself in relation to Jupiter because Jupiter is acknowledging where we experience grace, where we experience yet our gifts, and where I think we experience a call toward our excellence. You know, and I think as Jupiter is making these quick transitions um, in the last few years, because he's in signs of short ascension. Mm -hmm. um, so he's kind of speeding through Aries and then going toward Taurus. He's going to 
getting Taurus and then speed to Gemini. He's not going to start to slow down and stay in one sign for a year, probably until he gets into Cancer and Leo. And so with these transitions, we have opportunities to think about our gifts in particular ways, whether that's along the Aries parts of our chart or the Taurus parts of our chart and what we decide to do with them. And what we decide to do, I think, becomes one of the stepping stones toward people developing charisma. Mm. And I think what I would find going back to what I was saying earlier, where most people don't necessarily want to have responsibility for their lives, it's one, taking responsibility for their lives and then being clear on their decision moving forward on what to do. Yeah. And I think that's where we start to build more sense of charisma. Now, we always talk about it in relation to ego, but ego isn't enough. So you asked earlier, like, well, what's the problem with Kevin McCarthy? Like, well, why, why isn't it? And I think maybe he has cultivated more ego than grace or charm, which is Venus. Mm. And so, you know, ego can be reflective to the hot and dry nature of Mars, which is kind of like, because it's me, I'm going to go out there and thus do it, you know, and beat my chest and beat my, you know, drum or beat my, um, my shield with my sword and feel like that's enough. It, it really is. So it's kind of cultivating the gifts that we have, but relation to Mars and Venus, which does include some measure of concern, consideration for others, while also having some daring, which means also making some decisions. Huh. So that's kind of how I might start to think about how people can start embodying aspects of charisma, rather than thinking like, oh, is this something that God has to give to you? And either you have it or you don't. I think it just depends, you know? Mm, that question of ego, I feel like I was just thinking about this the other day and I wasn't seeing ego in Mars. I was seeing it somewhere else. In the sun? Um, no, maybe I think, I guess you could say in the sun because I was thinking about Pluto, but it's hard for me to think about Pluto without me thinking about its transit over my sun and what it's done for for me, although Pluto's gone, it, you know, I've had a Pluto transit to, I think, every planet of mine in my lifetime. So it does different things. But yeah, maybe Saturn and Jupiter and that whole, like, what am I letting go of? But Pluto really, really will shake your ego. And so if, yeah, I mean, if you don't, if you are having a major outer planet transit, Saturn, Jupiter, Uranus, Oh, not Jupiter really, but eh, a little bit, Pluto, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune. Um, I think they're all invitations for us to check our ego. And when you were saying about taking personal responsibility, is it Mercury or is it Mars or who is it? It's like, it's hard to say on a daily basis when I'm having a transit like that, a moon or a Mars, whatever, what the invitation is on a larger scale. But when you're having a major outer planet transit, that's the opportunity to say like, the invitation for you to take responsibility for your life, for your personal evolution is X and your Mercury transit, your lunation, your na na na, is all little invitations for you to build, opportunities for you Absolutely. to build towards that bigger thing. They're knocking on your door. You know, they're literally going on your celestial door and going like, this is what I can give for you. Yeah. Um, rather than thinking like, this is what I'm going to do to you. Yeah. So, yeah, I completely agree. And um, skipping back a little bit, just back to the eclipses being ruled by Mars and Venus. 
I have been thinking about how, and this connects to sort of like that question of wealth and like the, the leader versus the many, you know, when the nodes are in Taurus and Scorpio, I think one of the things is like, how can we use wealth for our healing? Taurus wealth, Scorpio, you know, this stuff that kind of sucks <laughs> needs to well, be I think healed. They both can be indicators of wealth. I mean, you know, one of the challenges, you know, I like challenges um, that I always throw back at people when they say, oh, Pluto's the ruler of Scorpio, which, you know, fine. Okay. But Pluto could easily be the ruler of Taurus, right? In terms of, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the wealth of the earth, right? Mm -hmm. um, which is kind of what relates to the idea of Pluto. But you're making a larger point about wealth itself. So we could just say along that axis, we're talking about wealth. So what, 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 what's your larger question? Because it sounds juicy. Um, well, I think it's, uh, you know, I am curious about what you think in general about Venus and Mars over this year. Um, but I, I wonder if you would think that part of the story of having the eclipses and the nodes go through these four signs this year, um, is to think about how wealth can, can speak to our collective healing and how that is tied into the disparity of wealth being the Aries Libra part of it. And also the, the Jupiter Chiron of, you know, there is one person who makes an exorbitant amount of wealth. Um, and then I have another question for you about, well, I might, I might broaden the use of the word wealth to resources. And I think it becomes important to start thinking about what resources we have um not just in terms of you know as a collective as a planet but also even between us because we've been talking about community and one of the fascinating aspects of community when we have genuine aspects of community um is how people agree to share resources and are open to that and that becomes wealth right that becomes where one experiences a sense of plenty, you know, because you could, in a certain condition, and you and I are both both in the Southwest, in a certain condition, you know, when it's really hot or there's a drought, your money doesn't necessarily mean much, but someone who has water is very wealthy, right? And so it kind of is, we were talking about the idea of resources. Yeah. So I do think when rather than people concentrating on what they lack, it becomes really important to start shifting that to think about what they have, um, which may be more of a, a a resource that really does you know cultivate. Now, I think the problem with wealth acquisition and you know some of the top tier people who become billionaires and very wealthy is that they acquire more then they may ever need and ever can really kind of release. Um, so it, it it really is that they kind of have a different focus. We could talk about ego is kind of where we have pathways of attention. They focus more on what they, they have and can have more of, whereas we might say many people um, who may not have that focus more on what they don't have. And I think right. the transition is to kind of think about what you have, um, and for those who just have enough or have not enough, have too much, to start thinking about, well, what more can I do um, to distribute that? 
and make more of that happen. Yeah. I guess for the wealthy, we also need to ask, you know, for those who are super wealthy, I'm not talking about those who are like millionaires or whatever. Yeah. Um, but especially those billionaires, it's like, well, what's your wealth for? Be even beyond just even asking the rudimentary question, which I think you also asked a little earlier, which is like, how are you getting your wealth? Because some measure of that wealth is just sheer exploitation. Yeah. You so know. you're reminding me of um I was just recently reminded of the fact that, and this plays into the Jupiter Chiron thing. In 1971, Jupiter was conjunct Chiron in Aries. And um or was it 71? No, in 71, Chiron was at the same point in the sky that it's at now uh, in Aries. And that is when uh, the dollar was taken off of the gold standard. So the dollar is no longer tied to gold. And I actually just saw a post this morning that was like saying, hey, do you know the difference between like money and currency? Currency is a paper note. And now that it's not tied to gold, it doesn't mean anything. And you were talking about like, if you're in the desert and you have water, it means something and you can exchange something like you can exchange rice for a piece of paper. You can exchange this for gold. And so I do wonder if that's going to be a question that comes up, especially if you want to talk about Scorpio and the rulerships, like when Pluto opposes Mars, which will happen on May 20th of this year, like what will come up when Pluto squares the nodes, that is a financial aspect that you know like last time it happened was the greek debt crisis um and also the swiss franc was uh the value of it was capped and so we are going to see some some changes in and we we can see that in pluto and aquarius too with crypto and whatnot um yeah i guess i i saw some news that you know the u.s treasury is thinking about a digital dollar yeah um so that's interesting as well yeah but I, yeah go on i was just going to say like Let's let's talk about that. Like, what are your thoughts on Venus and Mars and the invitation to thrive for this for this year? Well, I think with the transition, when we're talking about, and I will say this, plug, shameless. No, yeah, it's going to be a shameless Please. plug. So Gina Piccolo, who is a an astrologer, um, in um, in Tennessee. I want to say um, Memphis, um. An astrologer in Tennessee and I wrote an article looking at dimensions of um, race, but particularly African-American history um, along the Taurus and Scorpio axis um, that we found in a bevy of charts, not just one or two, but I mean like as many as 25 charts. Wow. We found that there's a, con there's a consistent theme that crops up along that axis of yeah you know, seminal moments and seminal people. And so one of the things that we walked away with was dealing with dimensions of power, Mars, Scorpio, in relation to resources and, you know, labor, all these other things, Taurus, and how one deals with embodiment, which is also Taurus and Venus. And then the transition point, which is what's fascinating is then after we have the Taurus Scorpio, right? Um, or we should say going backwards, we're going to have Aries Libra, especially when we talk about the nodes. And so that Aries Libra becomes about how we balance aspects of justice and cooperation and consideration with courage, Aries, and more the sense of how we have that sense of um, boldness and daring, right? And I think what we need to think about with Mars, Venus is how we are 
conscientious about our sense of autonomy, um, Mars, in our bodies, Venus, right? And through our senses and being really connected to that and mindful in terms of how we we um, think about that. Because I don't think we really have, you know, during this time that we've been dealing with, you know, during the pandemic, we've been dealing with the Sagittarius, Gemini, you know, Jupiter, kind of like, I want to, I feel this way, or I think this is the truth, whatever, to now like, well, what is the truth of my body? What is the truth of the powers that be to movement to like, how do we get some measure of equity? How do we get to some sense of balance and, you know, respecting the individual, but also thinking about the collective. Mm -hmm. So I think that might be where we start to mature um, in some of the ways that, you know, we've been dealing with things, especially since the pandemic. I'm not talking about, you know, all the way back in terms of our history, but, yeah. you know, yeah. I love that. And I can totally see that there. I've had a conversation with a, a couple people about Taurus and people who are revolutionaries. And there, I think there is some debate about Taurus being a place where it's very obvious to some people that people who have heavy Taurus placements are are people who shake shit up and want to change the world. And then oh, other yeah, I think go, I started that. How could Taurus do that? What I do you I, mean? I, I started that, I think, you know, <laughs> if I, you know like, yeah, you know, because, um, yeah. I started talking about that on Twitter. I don't know, 10, uh, 10 years or more ago. Good, saying, I'm glad. <laughs> I said, Taurus, I, I, I would say, and I'm being clever here, and I'll explain how I'm being clever in a second. I say Taurus is the most radical sign of the Zodiac. Now, the the actual word radical that I'm using is um, a trick or a, a, a play on words because radical comes from radix, rooted. Right. And radical came from the 19th century. This idea of rootedness was going back to basics. It was kind mm. of the most radical thing you could do was kind of returning back to, you know, how things were or how things really even could be. Right. Yeah. Um, so when I say that about Taurus being radical as a fixed earth sign, they are, you know, going toward their sense of rootedness. Uh, one way of thinking about revolution or change is where it's, we have people who are resistant to change. Not necessarily like, oh, it's just like, like Taurus would be like, yeah, I'm not doing that. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. That's not going to happen. Or this, that, that, And again, going back to Taurus as an earth sign, that doesn't make any sense dealing with aspects of sense. So I think that also is there. Yeah. Um, understand it because that that came for me when I looked up because I used to do an event make this very quick I used to do an event where I would talk about the sign of the month and I remember when I got to Taurus and I usually would focus on sun sign there was once this website that listed you know particular names and then what they did I saw more revolutionary under Taurus or with Taurus yes than I had seen with Aquarius because it was always in my mind well, Aquarius certainly is the most revolutionary sign of the Zodiac, but I didn't see that with Aquarius. No. I think they're innovators, but that's yep. not the same as revolutionary. It's not. Like Carl, Carl Marx and Malcolm X are two that come to mind. And I just had a conversation with Bear River um, about, about uh, some similar stuff. And we brought up Malcolm X and Karl Marx. And it ties into what we're talking about. It ties into the civil rights movement and Chiron and Aries. It ties into, um, you know, the the Taurus Scorpio stuff that's going on, and and this this question about wealth. 
um, as well. And I absolutely agree that sometimes the most radical thing that you can do is go back to basics because what you see is that nature-based, nature-informed design is the way that it's supposed to be. But as human beings, we like overthink everything and we have these man-made constructs that just don't make any sense. And then they fall apart. And then you have to have someone come and shake it up and say, let's keep it really simple and enjoy the simple pleasures in life. Correct. And let's be, go back to nature and be in our bodies and be able to like have the commons and farm the land and just like live and have our meet, our needs met which is like right. a radical idea. Like I can live and have my needs met and I don't have to like be enslaved. And I don't know how you feel about this, but Stephen Forrest, I think he said for Pluto in Taurus was about volunteering for slavery. That's one of the phrases that he used, which on its own sounds really bad, <laughs> but it's like, how do I volunteer to like not have my needs met? How do I volunteer to like work way too hard? It's not like, the Tauruses that I, some of the more Taurus Virgo people, they work so hard and kind of refuse to let go of, of like, I am allowed rest. I am allowed to have my needs met without having to work myself to death for it. I agree. I'm sorry. I, I had to process and go through, like, I think, um, you know, a whole because Stephen mm -hmm. Forrest, I count as a friend. Um, what I I think I understand what he means doesn't mean I agree. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're coming from an evolutionary point of view, you know, from the soul's point of view, you have elected a particular life. You have selected a particular life. So I think that's what he means in terms of volunteering. Um, you know, for for that, that's not my worldview. So it's not you know anything I can subscribe to or would subscribe to. Um, but yeah, I think it, it is kind of more so dealing with getting, like you said, back to basics. I mean, I always tell people like, if, if you know, people ask my Taurus, I like, I give them the short list, like, oh, you mean like Vladimir Lenin, um, you know, or Robespierre, Maximilian Robespierre or Sigmund Freud, who talked about getting back to our libidinal urges mm. and more this idea. I mean, like also a Taurus, Ho Chi Minh, you know, Stevie Wonder, um, James Brown, you know, all these different people, you know, and John Brown, you know, getting back to basics, what they think is right. Um, David Hume, you know, they're not going to be inclined just toward the complete abstract or metaphysical. It's kind of like, make it make sense for me. Yeah. At least by sun sign. And even when it's not sun sign, if we talk about Martin Luther King, it's believed you know, if he is born at noon, he's a Taurus rising. Mm. And just what gets deep, I think about this a lot. So he was a Capricorn with a Taurus rising, right? And then we have Malcolm X, who was a Taurus with a Capricorn rising. Ooh, wow. In terms of just their inversion. Yes. Right? In terms of that, you know, we were talking about the charisma. So again, it's a testimony that relates in relation to Taurus is kind of getting back to basics, but what I always say about Capricorns too, you know, whether we're talking about Venus and Capricorn, Mars and Capricorn, this the signature itself, it is kind of getting primal. It is getting back to like the prime energy of the earth. And I'm using that word on purpose, prime, because it's cardinal. And a lot of people think cardinal is singularly just about, you know, like 
uh, being pushy or whatever, not realizing like, no, that's kind of like when you're dealing with like something in its, you know, its clearest form. It's like Aries is in, you know, as first fire, right? And then Capricorn is first earth, um, which we experience now in our calendar as literally the first of the year, right? And when we have the experience of the newness of how we ground ourselves. So anyway, I think I'm going off on a tangent, but that's kind of the essential. That's point. all good. That's what I do. But yeah, and and King, I believe, had Mars out of bounds. So it, it like really emphasizes that Mars um, uh, of like, how do we take action? How are we going to do it radically differently? And um, and he, you know, ended his life with the people's campaign, which was really about having our needs met. Yeah. And and looking out for people. I mean, he was there in Memphis. Looking out for people, Pluto and Aquarius. Support sanitation workers. Yeah. Um, because people just think that Dr. King was just about, you know, black children and white children coming together, yeah. you know, and not realizing that the king of nineteen sixty-eight is very different from the king of nineteen sixty-three. And it's and that's just in five years. Like I always encourage people to read his last book, Where Do We Go From Here? Chaos or Community. And it was a king who was really focused on exactly some of the issues you were talking about, wealth discrepancy. Um, he introduces in that book uh, the idea of guaranteed income, you know, and that may be another idea that kind of surges forth. I know Andrew Yang or Yang was kind of promulgating that during his presidential campaign, I think either 2016 or 2020, both, I'm, I don't remember, yeah. but it's that same kind of thing. So that may also make another entry into American politics. Yeah. Well, I think that is probably a good note for us to to wrap up on. But we can talk. Probably. I know you can, unless there's any last thoughts well, that you have. But I would invite people to to definitely read 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 the book. Think about universal basic income. Think about how you can keep your life simple. What can you let go of to make more room for? How can we radically care for one another in in new ways? Yeah. So I want to thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure yeah. to connect with you and also yeah. ways to build with you. Um, if people want to reach me, they can reach me at unlockastrology.com. Uh, if they want to contact me by email, unlockastrology at gmail.com. And also if they want to kind of connect or see what I'm talking about on social media, on Twitter, I'm still on Twitter. Um, it's unlock astrology, all one word. And then on Instagram, it's S as in Sam, F as in Fred Reynolds. So SF Reynolds. Awesome. Any classes coming up or speaking engagements people can catch you at? Yeah. I mean, I, there's, um, you know, I'm going to be going on a cruise in a few weeks. I don't oh, know. Yeah. I wish I could go. Ortley, um, and Cassandra Butler and some other people from um, Lilydale in terms of that spiritual community. So I'm looking forward to that. And then, of course, um, Taylor and I convene again at Norwalk. So this is now the time for people to purchase tickets to come to Norwalk. So we hope that people come for that. Um, trying to think of there is there any other conferences? What's what's happening with OPA? OPA OPA's having a conference in April. I'm, I know I'm participating in that. Yes, yeah. So you'll see, and I I don't have the dates, but I'll try to put it in the in the notes below. I don't have it off the top yeah. of my head, but I think it's in April. Yeah, um, so we have that in April. Yeah, around Earth Day for International Astrology Day. I think it might be like the 22nd to the 25th or something like that. Oh, and yeah, and I, this is where I need to clear, be clear on dates, but I'm also doing something with Catherine Urban, um, who also is an astrologer. Um, 
and I'm doing a class on the lot of fortune and a lot of spirit. So if you people want to kind of learn more about those placements, come to my class or look out for my uh, social media where I'll be promoting that. Awesome. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Sam. It has been a privilege and honor and such a pleasure. I'm very, yeah, same here. Same here. All right. We'll see you guys next time. Bye everyone. If you enjoyed the episode, please take a second to rate and review. Each review helps us to find more heart-centered, forward-thinking folks just like you. Don't forget to take a screenshot, share it in your Instagram stories, and tag me at Taylor Schuler Astrology. If you're interested in an astrology consultation with me, you can book online at my website, taylorschuler.com. If you like my digs and you're looking for short-term furnished rentals because you're a digital nomad like me or just because, don't forget to use the link in the show notes or code Taylor underscore C6I at hellolanding.com for $250 off your rental. See you next week.